Joy. I got the 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 joy.
somebody and skipping the written part and just reading what they wrote and that's really what he comes to hear he already knows what Kim Walker thinks about him he already knows what Chris Tomlin thinks he wants to hear what's on your heart amen amen so before we move on I just want us to continue to sing our own song to him give him a card this morning yes and write your written part whether it's loud or whether it's quiet, whether you think it sounds good or not, it's so beautiful to him. So just every eye closed, don't worry about what other people are singing. Don't even, don't sing with us, but just start to tell him what you think about him. It's only 
Just to feel you here was everything. 
so good. I think, I think what stops us, what stops us from actually getting in this point is that we don't know how to receive love the way he wants to love us. I believe some of us don't know how to just accept the fact that it's unconditional love. That, that in your bad times, he's right there saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. And as a dad, you know, I can say I love you to my kids. And if they don't say I love you back at some point, I'm like, what's going on? What's go- I love you. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what's going on in your world. I love you. And I think he just wants to hear it back. So it's just like, I love you too, Jesus. I love you too. I love you too. I love you too. I love you too. He usually beats me to it. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling me out. He beats me to it. I'm walking around in the morning time. Yeah, I know I love you too. No, no, I know. Ah, I love you too. And then it just surrenders it all. And you just sit there and worship him. And you just honor him. Come on. Man, we can do this all day because this is what we were made for. Come on.
that if you're not going to be a cheerful giver this morning, we don't want it. And we come with open hearts, open hands. Come on. Just understand that, that man, hmm. what he can do with what you give is absolutely amazing. And it doesn't matter what that is. It doesn't, doesn't matter how much that is. It's just all heart posture, y'all. So let's just pray over the offering. We'll pray over the kids and then we'll take a break. So Father, we love you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the hearts in this room. I thank you that, that Father, we, man, we just love you. We thank you that, that you loved us first, <laughs> that you will always love us, Lord. We thank you for that. So, Father, we, we honor you this morning, not only with our worship, with our mouth and our hands, but with our finances, Lord. We, we ask you to just bless this, Lord, multiply it, Lord. Do whatever you want to do in your kingdom with what we give. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. Father, we lift up these kids to you this morning. Come on, just stretch your arms out. Father, I ask you to bless all the children this morning as they, they break off into our children's ministry. Lord, just touch them, touch the teachers. Wisdom and knowledge to all of them. Father, just continue to move in this next generation. Move in their hearts. Father, come on. We, we just ask you to, to just pour into them and just let them love like you. Father, we just surrender this to you. Have your way in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, y'all.
Come on, come on. It's okay after this? All right. I got to take it easy on Ken. Like I said, he's my stunt double. <laughs> come on. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Come on. It's good to see y'all. Yeah, we're so excited you're here this morning. It's going to be a phenomenal. It already is a phenomenal day. Come on, man. You guys, you guys enjoying worship this morning? Come on. So good. So good. So good. I thank you all for being here. Look, if you are, if you're new here, first time guest, do me a favor and uh, fill out a connect card. We'll have that out there. You can fill out one out in the, in the foyer and, and get one there. Um, I think we've got a screen problem. We got a screen problem back there. We good now? <laughs> Welcome home. Welcome home. Yeah, there'll be, uh, we're going to have, uh, you can, can you put the digital connect card up there, please? Ryan's got it. He's coming. It's okay. This, this always happens. We're good. Hey, guys, it's time to give again. <laughs> hey, if he throws it up there, I'm going to actually talk to it. All right, so if he throws it up there, I'll talk to it. If it's the given one, we're giving again. Hey, guys, Digital Connect card, do me a favor, fill that thing out. Let us know you were here so we can reach out to you. We can pray for you. We can share some information about everything going on in the church. Uh, that's so important. If you want any other information, download our app. Uh, go to our website. You can get all that information out there, too. Um, if you just listen to me and not follow along with the slides, you're going to be good this morning. You got it? That might get you a little confused. So we're, we're going to press on. Hey, I'm excited. Uh, uh, about our kingdom classes coming up. Have you guys, anybody been enjoying the kingdom classes? Come on, today we had a, uh, today was a healing class. Come on, you guys get kingdom healing today? 
Come on, real good class. Uh, next week, we're actually going to be off. It's going to be a holiday weekend. We didn't schedule anything. But then, look, we got some new new people teaching, too. I love this. This is what it's all about. Like, all we're doing is trying to equip you and then watch what you can do with it. So we have path to your potential. So I believe God has a has a plan for your life. And so, sometimes that plan means you have to go get education and all kinds of stuff. So we have a kingdom class now. Ebony's going to be teaching on this. It's about... Uh, we have all certifications, degrees, financial aid, everything you need to know about community college and how you get, what a great timing for that. Anybody got kids going to school? Come on, this is good. Look, or you, you can do this. This is just phenomenal. It's information, y'all, but it's going to help you reach your potential where God wants to take you. So please, nine o'clock every single Sunday, kingdom classes. We have our spiritual gift assessment. We have a, a send me a mission possibilities and Amber's going to be teaching that one. Come on, that's going to be, so if you're interested in in missions, that's the one you want to go to. If you're interested in going, what's it going to take for me to get where I am right now to on the mission field? Even if you're just wanting, asking questions, if you just want to know a little something, that's where you need to be on the 23rd of July. Send me. Uh, and then of course, James is coming back in with your holy temple and nutrition. Look, James, where, where you at? He's, he's out there doing push-ups. <laughs> go to that one because... Just look at the guy. He knows what he's talking about. So all our kingdom classes, be there for those. Guys, they're for you. Enjoy them. Grow with them. It's just, and if you have an idea of a kingdom class you want to teach, something that's going to help advance the kingdom, move us in the right direction. Let us know. We'd love for you to teach it. Uh, it's just awesome. So uh, we do have uh, uh, baptism Sunday is going to be July 9th. Okay, so we got another baptism Sunday coming up. Already excited about that. Already have somebody ready to get baptized. They already reached out to us, so that's awesome. You can sign up for that, or you can just spontaneously get baptized. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Uh, so we love that. Uh, we have our next Praise in the Park coming up on July 15th. Come on, y'all. Look, this is good stuff, man. This is what it's about. It's about being the light in the darkness, and this is all we're doing. We're going down to the park. We're worshiping in the park. Lives are being changed. Things are changing because of you, because of your obedience and willing to do what we want to do. So put it on your calendar, July 15th. Last time it was just amazing. Everybody that showed up to set up, tear down, uh, worship, uh, it, it's just going to be, I think it's going to grow. We've already had other churches reaching out, so this is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and God wants to do something amazing. He wants to do it through you. So write it up, put it on your calendar. Don't forget this one. It was an awesome time last time. Just looking forward to what he wants to do. All right. I want to recap this last week because I've been, I've been talking to you guys about, about getting out there, being the light, doing amazing things, letting people see Jesus in you and through you. And this week we did our food drop. Come on, you, you don't even understand what's going on in the food drop right now. So once a month, we have the tractor trailer comes in, and we give out food down in Millbrook and what you through the welcome center, uh, welcome food drop. And what you don't understand is that we're showing up, and we're laying hands on every car, every person. We're praying for people. We're changing lives through that type of relationship, not just handing out food. Okay, so I encourage you to get down there when we have those. The next one will be coming up in July. We'll put that date out there. Come on down and let's just be part of the family. Guys, all we're trying to do is grow the kingdom. And we're going to love on people. That's how you do it. You just love people through it. And it's amazing what can happen in their life. So thank you for that. There was a, it was a busy week, but all this happened. <laughs> we, we did a lot this week. Uh, we, had all, we had student movie night at the house. Come on. Did you guys enjoy that? I had all the students at my house. There were like, I don't know, 15, 20, 50. I don't know. 
They were everywhere, hanging off my banister, jumping up and down. It was awesome. So we had a really good time. And I appreciate you letting your kids come over and hang out with me and Jules. Uh, We love your kids, and it was fun. And we'll do it again, maybe. (laughs) They can eat a lot of pizza and a lot of ice cream. I'm just letting you all know. A lot of pizza, a lot of ice cream. uh, And drink a lot of sodas. So I hope you had a good night that night. And this week, I'm excited because, well, well, you know, last week also, so you missed this, Company of Believers, come on, y'all. Company of Believers was off the chain. It was amazing. Uh, we had an opportunity to go in, and it was just filled with people from all over the place. Uh, Canada, Ukraine, everywhere. We, we have another video. <laughs> Take a survey. <laughs> I'm going to be like one of those commercials. Company of Believers. There you go. Guys, we had a really good time over there. Uh, you know, Brother Bo is just absolutely amazing in his heart and his mind on how to connect churches and get people together. We had people from all over the place. I mean, we were actually at one point worshiping in like Spanish, English, Russian. I mean, it was just everything was phenomenal. Uh, and man, the word, man, we had amazing word. I mean, it was just a phenomenal teaching. Look, if you get look next time that comes up, y'all need to show up up. This is good stuff. Like this, this is stuff that's advancing the kingdom at a rapid rate. You don't ever see churches like that just come together just to be part of something bigger than them. I mean, that's really cool. So uh, thank you to everybody that cooked food and made that happen and moved equipment and did all kinds of things. And I mean, we had anything from chairs and all that stuff. Thank you all uh, for everything you do to help support Company of Believers. We are part of that. That's who we, uh, who we fall under. And uh, it was just absolutely amazing. So thank you all so much. And then this week we have uh, uh, our students are heading away for encounter. Come on. They're excited. Uh, Kevin and Crystal, you get them for three nights. <laughs> they're, they're, I don't know if there's a fourth night. Is there a fourth night? No. That's it. It's a fourth day. That's a, they're actually taking your kids away. So, and they're going to take them away. If you don't know our students encounters, what they do is they just get rid of all electronics, all that stuff. It's how do you live a life just filled with his face? I love what we were singing this morning, staring at his face, having an encounter with him everywhere you go and everything you do. So they're going to be teaching. They have other people coming in to teach. It's going to be just awesome. So thank you for letting your kids go to that. Thank you for trusting Kevin and Crystal. We love you guys. Thank you so much for what you do uh, with these students. They're, they're absolutely amazing. So thank you for that. Ah, all right, that's enough announcements. You guys are good with that. So we, we have the honor today to host some, some amazing friends and family. I just call them family because that's what they are. Man, we're all connected and we're all tied in. And uh, they've, they've been here before, which is awesome. I wasn't here. Right, so so they had to come back. <laughs> Last time I was in Africa when they were here, so I, I missed the opportunity uh, to be part of of what God was doing in the house. So I got to watch it online. So we we have the honor to have uh, Apostle Chris and Nikki Mathis here, and they're absolutely awesome people, and we love you guys. Um, they're lead shepherds in <laughs> in churches uh, in, in Canada, and, and they, they just shepherd a lot of people all over the world and do a lot of amazing things, and uh, we're just honored to have them here. So let's give them a, a warm welcome and welcome them up here. He's got an amazing word for us. There you go, brother. Thank you, thank you. Oh, so good to be back, and uh, you're right. Last time I was here, you were in Africa and Benin this time last year, and uh, I... Uh, you're a brave man to let a man come that we, at the time, we didn't really know each other that well. 
to speak in your church. Uh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm back, so I guess it went okay. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, my wife did an amazing job with your awesome worship team this morning. Wasn't that good? She just recorded uh, Summit Sounds Volume 4 last week in Edmonton, and um, uh, amazing album. This is going to be the best one that our team has done, um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be out in October, uh, but if you want to get a hold of any of her music, you can get it on any major platform. Uh, it's not under her name. It's under Summit Sounds, and so you can download it, stream it. It's on iTunes. I think there's still some hard copy if you're still into the old school CDs that uh, the church here bought a bunch of, of them off of us last year, so you can see your pastor, I'm sure, and uh, get, yeah, you got them. Awesome. I want to talk to you this morning um, about the, conver- the conversion of Saul, the legalist, into Paul, the grace preacher. The conversion of Saul, the legalist, into Paul, the grace preacher. How many of you have read that story in Acts and you've, you're familiar with his journey? We're going to kind of break this down and I think that uh, it can be real applicable to us this morning. Uh, first of all, I want to just start off by uh, asking this question that I want you just to ponder. Your journey has been interesting, hasn't it? Think about this. Our journeys are interesting. I can remember when I first got saved, which was a radical deliverance, by the way. I was not one of these guys that went to Bible college and, and uh, had, a, had a roadmap to ministry. Ministry was not anywhere in my grid or framework. It wasn't like after high school, I went to college in career day and thought being a preacher sounds really good. No, I was addicted. I was messed up. I was possessed by depression and anxiety and things that had gripped my soul. And I found myself at 18 years old in Polk County Jail in Central Florida. And it was there that God showed up and delivered me from my bondage and set me free and set me on the path that I'm at. But I think about that and I'm thankful for that. But I remember the journey even after God touched me, how my mind about God was still very much skewed. I experienced his love, I experienced his freedom, I experienced deliverance, but there was still ingrained in me so much religion. Even though I was never part of a church, religion and and legalism was still in the core of who I was. I uh, got saved and got out. In my journey, I sat all my family down. They were all heathens. And I said, I want to tell you all something. Jesus touched me and he saved me. And if you don't give your life to Jesus today, you're going to die and go to hell. (laughs) That didn't go over so well. That didn't go over so well at all. And I think about the journey and now where I'm at and how I've learned about the nature of a loving God. The nature of God in his mercy, in his timing, in his gentleness, in his sovereignty. I think about how in the church often over the years, I have put a lot of demand on people to change when Holy Spirit was still leading them on a journey. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me that the church can be one of the greatest places where people can find freedom, but it also, if we're not careful, can be one of the most judgmental places 
that we expect people to convert and go on a process faster than sometimes Holy Spirit has them on. Acts chapter 9, 1 through 30, I want to jump into this and we're going to take a look at the life of Saul who was a legalist that eventually became the grace preacher named Paul. And we're going to look at his journey and his story a little bit. We're going to read out of the Passion Translation, Acts chapter 9, 1 through 30. It says, during those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to ask the high priest and requested a letter of authorization he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation and finding and arresting any who were followers of the way. Saul wanted to capture all of the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they heard a heavenly voice but could see no one. Saul replied, who are you, Lord? Very fascinating. He says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the victorious, the one who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city where you will be told what you are to do. Saul stood to his feet, and even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blind. So the men had to take him by the hand and lead him to Damascus. For three days, he didn't eat or drink, and he couldn't see a thing. Living in Damascus was a believer named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling his name, Ananias, yes, Lord. Ananias answered. The Lord said, go at once to a street called Abundance. Your Bible might mean str say straight, but in the original text, it's abundance is what that actually means. And look for a man from Tarshish named Saul. You will find him at Judah's house. While he was praying, he saw in a supernatural vision a man named Ananias coming to lay hands on him to restore his sight. But Lord, Ananias replied, many have told me about this terrible his terrible persecution of those in Jerusalem who are devoted to you. In fact, the high priest has authorized him to seize and imprison all those in Damascus who call on your name. The Lord Yahweh answered him, Arise and go. I have chosen this man to be my special messenger. He will be brought before kings, before many nations, and before the Jewish people to give them a re the revelation of who I am. And I will show him how much he is destined to suffer because of his passion for me. Ananias left the house where Saul was staying. He went inside and laid hands on him, saying, Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to pray for you so that you might see again and be filled to overflow, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. All at once, the crusty substance that was over Saul's eyes disappeared, and he could see perfectly. Immediately, he got up and was baptized. After eating a meal, his strength returned. Within the hour, he was in the synagogues preaching about Jesus and proclaiming, Jesus is the Son of God. Three days after his salvation, he's in the synagogue preaching. Those who heard him were astonished, saying among themselves, Isn't this Saul? who furiously persecuted those in Jerusalem, who called on the name of Jesus, didn't he come here with permission from the high priest to drag them off and take them as prisoners? 
Saul's power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. I want to pause right here and just insert something that's very important that's not in my text. Saul's power increased greatly as he became more proficient in proving that Jesus was anointed, that he was the Messiah. As your efficiency in communicating the revelation of who God is properly increases, so does your power and authority. That's just a side thought. As time passed, verse 23, the Jews plotted together to kill Saul, but it was revealed to him that they, what they were about to do. They closely guarded the gates of the city and tracked his every movement so they could kill him. But during the night, some of Saul's converts helped him escape by lowering him down through an opening in the wall hiding him in a woven basket. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he attempted to introduce himself to the fellowship of believers, but everyone was afraid of him because they doubted he was a true disciple. Barnabas came to his defense and brought him before the apostles. Saul shared with them his supernatural experience of seeing the Lord who spoke with him on the road to Damascus. Barnabas also told them how boldly Saul preached throughout the city in Jesus' mighty name. Verse 28, then they accepted him as a brother and he remained with them, joining them wherever they went in Jerusalem, boldly preaching the power and authority of Jesus. He openly debated with some of the Jews who had adopted Greek culture, yet were secretly plotting to murder him. When the believers discovered their scheme, they smuggled him out of the city and took him to Caesarea and then sent him on to Tarsus. Wow, that's a lot of Bible reading, huh? All right, well, we got through it. We see here Saul was on his way to persecute and arrest believers. And just like many of our story, maybe not that extreme, but Jesus somewhere along the journey came in and intervened right in the middle of our mess, right in the middle of casually going through life. It was the presence and power of God that showed up and set a new course of direction for our life. This turn of events for the early church leadership is up until this point, there wasn't really any other true apostolic leader among them. Um, there was the original... 11, Judas at this time, Iscariot, had killed himself. And uh, there was a, in an upper room uh, encounter, before that encounter took place, they drew straws for another apostle that had been there the whole time named Matthias. I actually have a thought about this. I think this was error, to be quite honest. Um, and I know this has been, can be preached any different way. I've heard uh, different opinions on this and, and, and preached. This is just my opinion. I think this was error. Number one, you can't gamble in an apostolic leader. You don't draw straws for an apostolic voice. You don't draw straws for an apostolic leader. And this is what they did to choose Matthias. Everyone had to draw a straw, and the one that drew the right straw was officially commissioned to be the apostolic leader. That'd be like saying, you know what, we're going to draw straws, and whoever gets the right one is the pastor of this church. No, that's not, that's not like church government. It's not how it works. Um, so I think there was a little bit of error. I think they didn't really know what to do. And I think they did this prematurely because they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet leading them and guiding them in wisdom. They were just kind of up there in the upper room. What do we do? Well, this sounds like a 
smart, wise thing to do. We need another replacement for, for Judas. And I don't think that was right. I think the actual replacement was supposed to be uh, Paul. And so they didn't understand that because they, they had a paradigm that an original apostle should be someone that walked with the Lord. And um, as we know today, apostolic ministry has not ceased. It's still functioning in the earth today. It's not a requirement to actually have been there physically present with Jesus. What's a requirement is the calling of Jesus and a manifestation of an encounter that qualifies you for apostolic ministry. So this is a turn of events as it should stir us to see that just because you didn't see Jesus in the flesh like the other 12... You weren't disqualified from apostolic grace. We'll get to that in a minute. What I want to give you this morning is just something that God showed me, and, um, and I found this to be very true in my life, and I really believe it'll be applicable in yours as well. I want to give you five lessons from Saul's conversion this morning. Five points, five lessons. I'm a point guy. I like to draw a roadmap, give you one, two, three, four. That's my preaching style. Uh, but I want to pull the revelatory out of this as well with those points, and we're going to be able to, uh, I, I believe, really get some, some good stuff out of this. Number one, first, first point, number one, I want you to get this. Hear me. Number one, first lesson that I learned when I read this story. Number one, God can save anyone. There is not a person that is too far gone that is absent of hope, of destiny in Christ Jesus. Now, I live in a culture quite different from Alabama. I'm from the South, and so I understand I have a contrast. Where I live now is a completely liberal uh, ideology in, in everyone's thinking, most, and even in the church, very liberal thinking. And, and when I say liberal, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about um, more, more so a... Um, um, well, maybe, maybe not politics. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm an extreme. Let me say an extreme kind of a left thinking in there. And, and what I mean by that is not like, not like the old school liberal and, and right and left. Like, you remember the old school, like when, when Bill Clinton was president? Like, he was a good president, you know? Now, now liberals think so far different on the far, far left wing. And I don't want to make this political. I'm just giving a parallel picture of where I live and what the common outlook and frame of life is. With that comes a lot of acceptance, even in the church, of transgender, transgender ideology, um, uh, homosexual ideology, and this is all filtered into the church, what you can and can't say. I can actually get arrested and go to jail in my country if I tell people homosexuality is a sin. That's a fact. All they have to do is take a clip of a live recording, take it to the police, and I would get arrested. That's the country I live in. That doesn't stop me. <laughs> but one of the things that I've found in the South is the rejection of certain, certain sins and sin issues in people and, 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 and saying, no, God can't ever get a hold of someone like that because they are so far gone. We've got transgenders in my church today. And we have people that we don't 
beat them over the head with the Bible. We don't, we, 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 we love them. We create a safe space for them. Now, of course, we sit down with them and tell them, this is what the Bible says. This is what we believe, but we love you. Jesus loves you. And it creates a safe space. And we've got one, one young, young woman that is right now had been there with us for several years now is actually converting back to being a woman. But you know how that happens? You have to have the understanding in the house of God that it doesn't matter where someone is, they are not too far away from the love of God and redemption. God can save anyone. He can save anyone. I think that we in the South have to have a paradigm shift, even the ministry of Jesus. If I think about Jesus today, showing up in the flesh in Alabama, Lower Alabama, where would Jesus hang out? I'm a, can I kick some cows this morning? Can I? You sure? You going to have some cleanup to do? Okay. Here's where I think Jesus would probably walk up in. I think he'd walk up in a gay bar. There's some people in this room that have probably have a hard time hearing that. I think he would. I think he would, he would go in there looking... For people that don't know who they are. In his day when he showed up, they were on the lakeshore mending nets and they didn't know who they were either. And he was found tax collectors who didn't know who they were either. And you got to understand in that day, a tax collector in Israel was the scum of the earth. You are a Jew working for Rome and taxing Jewish people to pay the Romans. Like, you didn't have any friends if you were a tax collector. Jesus went to the ones that were the outcasts, the ones that nobody wanted, the ones that everybody else in the religious system of that day said, you're disqualified, there's no place for you in this temple. And Jesus would find people like that, and he would give them identity. One of the things that uh, Nikki and I do, we like to go to places that in our, in our community where we live, Nikki likes to sing. So, you know, we don't get religious. We'll go to a karaoke bar and let Nikki just sing. And we've had several connections and relationships with people sitting at a bar and everybody in that room is drawn to the sound and anointing on my wife. And who in the world is that? Next thing you know, the owner comes because he knows my husband wants to talk to me. Hey, who are you? Can you come back next week? Next thing you know, this little community in this bar starts surrounding us. What do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. You're a pastor? What are you doing in this bar? So well, I'm just here to hang out. What are you doing in this bar? <laughs> really, man, I've never met a pastor like you. I said, well, you did, yeah, you just did. I don't know what to tell you. So we start interacting with this group of people. Next thing you know, we invite them to our house. They're coming to my house, hanging out in my man cave, shooting pool. And they're cussing and, and they're just like, just no church, like no grid whatsoever. You know, and the only thing I had to tell them, I said, hey man, I don't, you say whatever you want, but I've got kids, you know, just be mindful around them. Oh, so sorry, so sorry. I didn't even think about that. And my kids understand, like they're, they're not people that are saved, So I told them one day, I said, you know what? Why don't you come to my church and just check it out? 
He said, I don't know about that. One of them said, I think I'll burn up if I went in there. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that something that even somebody that's never been to church has a preconceived idea about who God is. They're already guilt and sin conscious that they feel like if they come into a place where God is, they're going to be rejected. Here, here's the thing with this is, is they don't, most people don't come to church that are in places like that because they have their church. It is the bar. That's their church. That's their friends. That's their family. That's the people they do life with. And people that have left that and come to church oftentimes have been met with religion. And we have, they've been met with fake facade. They found way more community at a bar stool than they have even within the, in the house of God where real koinonia is supposed to be. I've, I've, I've watched religious people leave church and they go to church to church to church to church to church the pastor didn't shake my hand and you know they didn't let me sing on the worship team and I've been there you know for nine years and I still haven't seen not singing on the worship team and I'm leaving and I'm mad I'm mad you know what I've never found at a bar I've never seen a person at a bar get bar hurt and say I'm never going back there again there you go. Come on. <laughs> the bouncer didn't look at me and acknowledge me I sat there at the bar for 15 minutes before they brought me a drink. I've never seen somebody in a place like that get offended. Matter of fact, I've seen the exact opposite. I've watched bar fights, and then after they're done, two guys that wrestle it out in the parking lot go back and sit down and buy each other a beer. They experience more family there than they do in the house of God. Why is it? That's got to change. We've got to get over our religious paradigms. And we've got to embrace every person that walks through these doors and say, it doesn't matter where you're at, and I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit for you and demand when you need to clean up and when you need to change, but I am going to love you and be with you along the journey. God can save anyone. Think about this. The salvation of Saul would have been equivalent to a leader of Al-Qaeda or the Taliban. Now, we, he's Judaism, they're Muslim, but it would have been the same thing. He's killing in the name of his God, and he is a high-ranked leader, no different than someone in the Taliban or in, in Al-Qaeda would kill, believing they're doing God a service. No different. What would we do if the leader of the Taliban walked into church? You got to understand, and, and I'm, I'm, my mind has completely changed since I've moved to Canada. I, there, we are surrounded by so many other cultures. Like if you're in, if you're in where I live, if you're, 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 you're Caucasian, you are the minority where I live. Uh, you are, it is, it is. We have Af Africans in our church, South Africans, uh, Australians, Europeans. We have, um, what am I missing? East Indians, Pakistanis. I have Iranians in my church. Like, like, and this is the community that we live in, in our city. And so my, my southern frame of mind moving there had to shift big time. Like I was driving one time and, and I got, a, got a ride from an from a Uber driver. And the Uber driver, um, I'm, asking, I'm asking him his story. He's like, yeah, I'm from Iraq. I said, oh, yeah, what brought you here? He said, well, uh, you know, I was in Iraq and I used to fly a war a fighter jet for the Iraqi uh, military during desert storm and now i'm sitting here thinking my dad fought in desert storm <laughs> <laughs> 
And I've got, and I said, so what do you think of Saddam Hussein? Oh, he's an awesome leader, you know? And I'm sitting there like, wow, the frame of mind that is so different than our, you know, Jesus is an American mindset. Wrong. (laughs) Jesus is this white guy with a beard mindset. Wrong. (laughs) We got to get out of this mindset that thinks that the kingdom is American. The kingdom is superior to American ideology. Now, I think you should be proud to be where you're from. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but we've got to understand, uh, you know, American pride is not the kingdom. It's okay? Okay? I know I'm in a military community. I don't want to offend anybody, but, but it's truth. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, this means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you. We're praying for the return of the Lord. Yes, the spirit and the bride say come and the Lord is withholding. The father's withholding the return of his son because of his loving patience towards you towards your neighbor, towards your friends, towards your children, your aunts, your uncles. He's delaying because of patience. 1 Timothy 2.4 says he longs for everyone to embrace his life and return to the full knowledge of truth. God gets so much glory by the testimonies of those who it looked like it was that the odds were against them. I know for me, that was my journey. Ananias, who Paul saw at the time was sent to, had to have understood this statement, God can save anyone and trust that God finished the work. Imagine had to be the one to pray for the former terrorist and he's coming to your house. (laughs) He's coming to stay in your home and God's entrusted you to pray and have peace and full love, not sleeping with one eye open. We'll touch on that in a minute. Number two, number two, well, another, the second point that I see in, in Saul, the legalist story to his conversion to a grace preacher is this. We can't overlook the obscure mentors in our journey. We cannot overlook the obscure, keyword, obscure mentors in our journey. Look at verse 11 and 12 uh, in Acts 9. Verse 11 and 12, it says, it says this, the Lord said, go at once to the street called Abundance and look for, the, for a man from Tarsus named Saul. You will find him at Judah's house. While he was praying, he saw in a supernatural vision a man named Ananias coming to lay hands on him and restore his sight. What's, what's the point here? Like, this is really what I want to get. A lot of us put unrealistic conditions on what it looks like to be poured into. Like if you're a high official in a religious system like Saul was, you would expect a high official in a Christian system that you're being converted to, to come pour into you. 
God didn't do that. God didn't, God didn't give Peter the assignment. He didn't give John the beloved the assignment. He didn't give James the assignment. He gave a nobody on the street called Straight or the street called Abundance named Ananias the assignment to go pour into who was going to become the next great apostolic leader on the planet. We got to be really careful that we're not looking for the famous guy, the popular guy, the pastor, and only the pastor is the one that can speak into me. And if if it's not Pastor DJ, then I'm just not going to receive it by God because he's my pastor. And who are you? You're a nobody. No, you've missed an opportunity to be poured into from heaven when we overlook the least of these. I'm going to tell you, the person you're sitting next to this morning could be the key to your deliverance. They could be the key to your financial breakthrough. They could be the key to a business connection that takes your company to the next level. But if you're looking for the guy with the microphone all the time to be the one that pours into you constantly and consistently and nobody else, you're going to miss an opportunity to see heaven come touch earth through your life. Here Paul gets saved. He doesn't run to the famous preacher, Peter, James, or John, but rather God has reserved an Ananias, a seemingly nobody to mentor him. Number three, just because you're transformed doesn't mean everyone will embrace you. Come on, who could testify that when you got saved... When you said you were starting that business, when you were stepping out on a limb, you were stepping out in faith. How many of you in this room could say that not everybody embraced you? Look at verse 23 in Acts chapter 9. If we could throw that up there on the screen, verse 23. It says, as time passed, the Jews plotted together to kill Saul. To kill Saul. See, when you go from legalism to grace the way Paul did, it stirred the hell in the religious community to the point they wanted to kill him. You got you to you read deeper than this. Put that scripture back up there for just a minute. As time passed, the Jews plotted to kill Saul. If you read that, you just skim over it real quick. You think, yes, Jews, they must not, not have liked Saul that much. No, you got you to look deeper than that. The Jews who Saul was a Pharisee among Pharisees. These are people he went to school with. These were people he studied with. These are people perhaps he did life with. But a spirit of religion will always gather around what we agree on and radically divide over what we disagree on. That's how you can tell a spirit of religion is an operation. Long as we're in agreement, we're good. The moment we disagree, nope, 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 I will not receive you. Nope, nope. You think Pastor DJ and I are going to agree on every detail of the... No! There's not going to be a person in this room that is going to have the same agreement. And if you do, it shows me that you're not a person that opens your heart and mind and spirit to read the word of God and hear him for yourself. This isn't a denomination. This is an apostolic family. Which means that we don't divide over disagreements. 
Because religion, that's religion's breeding ground. And what religion did here with Saul is the same people he did life with. The moment he said, I've had a new encounter. And something's changed. I, I, man, let me tell you the witness of the love that's flowing out of my life. And even though good fruits present, they still would not receive him. Even those that were raised with him their entire life because legalism will divide. Legal, religion doesn't care about fruit. It doesn't care about love. All it cares about is what are we in agreement on. Number four. And I'm almost done. Number four, embrace the seasons of process because God is using them to perfect you. Process is something that many try to avoid, but it's absolutely inevitable. Like, process is inevitable. You will go through process. The problem about process, biblically, is we don't find that word in the Bible, uh, it's called wilderness in the Bible. Moses had a process or wilderness season before he could become a deliverer to the children of Israel. Jesus had a wilderness season, a process season, after he received the baptism and affirmation from his father. What happened? He had a wilderness season. John the Baptist lived in the wilderness. He lived in process. The wilderness is not a bad place like we think it is. It's the place where we're refined and made into who God intends us to become. I don't think I gave this scripture to you in the back, so if you want to help me out, Galatians 1, 16 and 17. Paul had the same thing happen to him. Process. We see in Galatians 1, 16 through 17, sorry about that. I'm just throwing that at you, making you work this morning. Galatians chapter 1, it says this, 16 and 17, to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. This is what he's saying. He's talking about his conversion right when he was converted on Damascus Road. He said, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, verse 17, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Paul remained in the wilderness for three years in Arabia. This took place between Acts 9, 25 and 26. That's a three-year gap between those two scriptures. In Acts chapter 9, 25 and 26, can you throw that up there real quick? Acts 9, 25, 26. It's Okay. You guys good? But during the night, some of us have caught, uh, did I give you the right one? Yeah. Yeah, during the night, some of Saul's converts helped him escape by lowering him down through an opening in the wall, hiding him in a woven basket. Verse 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, three years between that moment, he's in the wilderness with God. And Paul writes about this in Galatians chapter 1, 16 and 17. He said, I didn't go up immediately. I was in the wilderness of Arabia. I didn't consult with flesh and God. And it was after that that I returned. This took place between 25 and 26. Think about this. Paul was around the age 34 when he was saved. His process took 
10 years before his first missionary journey. He was 37, roughly, when he went and consulted with the other apostles. He sat in Antioch for seven years before the Spirit said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have called unto them. So we read through our Bible like, man, Paul's doing it. Like he's just, he's just blowing and going, get saved, you know, just, just going and man, look at that. No, think of the years of him sitting. Never underestimate your journey in the process years, the formative years of sitting in the presence and house of God. What are you learning? You're learning submission. You're learning, you're learning to hear God's voice. You're learning that it's not all about your gift, even though you have one. I'm learning to love the slow pace of process. I don't know about you. I, I bought one of these Traeger pellet smokers. They're, it's heaven. Buddy, it's heaven. If you don't have one, you've missed God. <laughs> it is heaven on earth. And uh, I love slow cooking. I love the, I, and, and, and if you're a barbecue or you like to eat barbecue, and I'm going to talk and make your belly growl at me a little bit here because I know it's getting close to lunchtime, but, but I, love, I love slow cooking ribs. I mean, I'll put ribs on that thing and slow cook them for eight, nine hours. I'll do briskets. I'll do, I, I like, we're, we're big elk hunters and deer hunters, and so we'll take elk backstrap and, I mean, slow cook it with rosemary and all kinds of just seasonings all over it and just let that thing slow cook. Everything... Everything tastes better when it's cooked slow. You ever had a steak that you're just in a hurry and you just crank that heat all the way up on that demonic gas grill? Can't control it right. The temperature's never right. It just gets so hot. And then you eat it and it's tough like beef jerky. That's like our journey. I've never seen anyone do anything historic for God in my life that was a shooting star. Everybody that I've ever seen do anything historic for God, they were hidden in process before anyone knew who they were. There was years of slow cook marinating in a prayer room or in the house of God. I don't know about you, my journey, my journey didn't start preaching. I got out of jail, started serving in the house of God. Three years, worked at a drug and alcohol rehab. After that, went and worked for Bishop Kyle Searcy right here in Montgomery, Alabama, and vacuumed his floors on Fleming Road for, for years and cleaned toilets and, and was mentored by the Spirit and by him and other voices that, that poured into me. But you know what my process looked like? Cleaning the sanctuary. Realizing how nasty church folk are, leaving their snotty tissues everywhere. I got firsthand process having to not get offended at everybody. Man, that's gross. I wanted to get up and make an announcement. Clean up your crap. <laughs> Couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. I was in process. Slow is better. Enjoy the slow pace. God's doing something in your life. Number five, last one. Worship team or however you guys want to do it. Nikki, I don't know what you guys have planned for the altar. You guys can come up. and Number five, surround yourself with encouragers. Acts 9, 26 through 28, if you can throw that back up there. Acts 9, 26 through 28. 
when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he attempted to introduce himself to the fellowship of believers. But everyone was afraid of him because they doubted he was a true disciple. Bring it down just a little bit, babe. Keep it on that verse just for a minute. Back up one more. I just want to land here for just a second because I think it should be normal that people are a little afraid of in our assembly. Like, we planted a church with a spiritual son of mine. It was one of the truest church plants I've ever seen. Uh, there wasn't, like 90% of the people that would attend there weren't even, I don't even think, saved. Like, you didn't get up and go to the altar and leave your purse sitting there because it probably wouldn't be there when you got back. I love that. I love that. I love the ones that no one wants. And we could say that, like we can get in our like, hoorah, God send us the ones that nobody wants. We'll be the place that takes them. We say that until their kids are in the children's church with your kids. Like you got to really mean this and you got to really be able to get in the messiness of what this kind of stuff that I'm talking about looks like because it is messy. I'll never forget, I was pastoring down in Florida, and uh, I don't know if I told this story here last year or not, but I was pastoring down there, and um, we were like you guys, we were in the community all the time. Everybody knew us. Like, our, our church was, was right on the uh, um, kind of edge of the bad side of town, and, and uh, we were in that, that neighborhood all the time. I mean, cleaning up, serving, we'd do crawfish boils, and just, man, feed hundreds of people with crawfish all the time, and... And, and you start breaking out crabs and crawfish, buddy. Everybody loves you. And so we, we, uh, we would do that on a regular basis. And Because uh, I had this conviction. The, the, the Bible says this, that when you have a feast, you know, um, you know, bring everyone into your house, have a feast. You know, you, you know, go out into the highways and byways and invite the ones that would never be invited. Here's the problem with that. Usually we do that and then we want to give them a burnt hot dog. It's like, that's not, like, come on, man. Like. Is that what you guys, sorry, if you guys do hot dogs, listen, we're going to take it up a notch here. <laughs> In my mind, I got convicted because I was like, man, if, if somebody's really coming to love on me, give me something better than a hot dog is what I was thinking. And so, and you guys do you, I'm not, I'm not knocking what you're doing. I'm just saying this was a, a conviction for me. So I said, this is what, this is what we're going to do. I, I, I opened our sanctuary and I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have we're going to clean out the sanctuary. I said, we're going to have a banquet. Like, I mean, fine linens. I mean, get the best silverware. Not that plastic stuff. I mean, I want, I want fine cloth napkins. And we're going to go out. And I said, if you're, if, if you're a leader in this church, you're going to be here this day. This, you are going to, or you are fired. I said, what we're going to do, we're going to get in our vans. We're going to go find prostitutes. We're going to go find drug dealers. We're going to find people that are homeless. And we're going to pick them up and say, hey, we got a big old ribeye for you and a baked potato and a fine dinner. We had a jazz band, people over there playing the saxophone. I mean, we've set this up like, like this would be, you know, you're paying $200 to go to a dinner like this. And man, we had that place full in probably 40 minutes with prostitutes, drug addicts. We had people weeping at the table saying, I've never eaten a meal like this in my life. 
had people in there barefoot. They were in there just ragtag, the lowest of low in our community. We had a lady so drunk in there, she peed all over herself. We didn't care. We just cleaned it up. Just cleaned it up. So out of that group, this uh, guy gets radically saved. He was a young gangbanger in our, in our community. And um, his name was Eddie. And Eddie, he was known. You know, Eddie, Eddie his appearance was, was very much, you know, you knew this guy was the real deal. And um, Eddie got saved. Well, next Sunday, we're there in worship, and Eddie's there. And he's got like four of his boys. Like, not kids, like his, his friends. And Eddie, Eddie is there at the altar. They're all standing there like, what in the world is this? And Eddie's like, man, come on, you got to lift your hands, man. You got you to you lift your hands like this. You know, and Eddie's showing him, he's coaching him. And, and, and he's genuine. He's got tears streaming down his face and he's believing God for his friends. Next week, more come. Next week, more come. And I come in the sanctuary one day and Eddie, he's in there with the old intercessor ladies vacuuming the church. I mean, it's Eddie. Eddie's just in there with them. I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is real. So I come in the church office. It's about a month later. And uh, I come in the church office, and there's a, a picture of Eddie on a, on a sign that says, Wanted. A police-issued picture. And so I asked our administrator, I said, what's this about? And he said, uh, Officer Lewis, who goes, goes to our church, he said, he stopped by and dropped this off. He said, this guy's in the neighborhood, you know, in this area, and uh, he's wanted. And I said, what's he wanted for? And they said, he's wanted for murder. I said, well, okay, that's heavy. I said, but tell Officer Lewis, this guy's been sitting right behind him in church the last three, four weeks. Doesn't sound like good police work to me. Been vacuuming. I mean, been greeting everybody at the door. You've walked right by him. So, uh, so Eddie ends up letting me know after we knew that he, he had found out that he had had this warrant. He told me, he said, Pastor Chris, he said, I'm going to jail for a long time. He said, but I'm going to take this gospel in that prison with boldness. Because what has happened in my life is real. He said, my life will never be the same. And he said, I'm ready to face the consequences of my actions. He said, and I know God, whether he delivers me from it or not, I will go in there with a purpose and a plan. And he did. And he's, he's there today. Found guilty. But he is there with peace. And what's crazy about it, he's in a prison with cement walls but more free than many religious people that I know that are out here walking freedom, freely. Verse 26 and 28 again. Everyone was afraid of him because they doubted he was a true disciple. I don't care if you're a murderer, I don't care if you are struggling with sexual perversion. I don't care what your story is. There's hope for you, and the church has to be able to embrace them. Church, hear me. You've got to be able to embrace them. Next verse. Barnabas came to his defense and brought him before the apostles. Saul shared with them his supernatural experience of seeing the Lord who spoke with him on the road to Damascus. Bar Barnabas also told them how boldly Saul preached throughout the city in Jesus' mighty name. This is my closing thought. Barnabas, 
his name in the Bible used to be Joseph. But the disciples changed his name from Joseph to Barnabas because Barnabas means son of encouragement. Watch this. If there was never a Barnabas, there would have never been a Paul. If there was never a Barnabas, somebody that would stand up in defense and say, you know what? I know he's got a story. I know he has a history that's very dark and shady, but I'm telling you something. God has a plan for his life. And as long as he's here or she's here, I'll be a Barnabas and stand in their corner and be their biggest cheerleader until we see God do what he's going to do. Come on, where are the Barnabases in the room this morning? Where are the ones that can shout encouragement, even look at you when you're in your mess and say, that doesn't define you because that's really not who you are, who you are all along. Who you are authentically is who you are originally. And originally you were formed in the belly of your mother's womb and the Lord had a plan and a destiny for you. Who you are originally is God says that you're more than a conqueror. You're above and not beneath. You're blessed going in and blessed going out. You're the head and not the tail. God says you are a lender and not a borrower. I'll look at you and say God has destiny and plan. I don't care what you're going through. And this is a Barnabas spirit. And I came to tell somebody that the spirit of Barnabas is in this house. And God says I'm going to use this house to be encouragers, encouragement for a community that is lost and dying and on their way to hell. But God said, no, I planted you here to show them and tell them who they are in Christ Jesus. Come on, the ones that nobody wants, we say, God, send them here. Send them here. And give us a grace to not be afraid and give us a grace to not reject them and give us a grace to say, you know what? Your, your sin is bigger than anything that I've ever dealt with, but I'm going to love you anyways. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. Oh. God, root out any form of legalism that's still ingrained in our thinking or in our heart. God, any ounce of the spirit of religion... The form of godliness, denying the power thereof. God, rip it out of our heart and spirit. God, we want freedom. We want grace. God, let us be the greatest grace and mercy preachers this region has ever seen. Let there be a company of people that extend mercy, 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 because that's who you are. You are a God of mercy. If there's anyone in your life that you can think of that you would throw a stone at right now because of how they hurt you or wounded you or because of what they've done, you are operating out of a system that is not of your father. He's a God of mercy 100% of the time. The religious leaders of Jesus' day found a woman that was caught in adultery in the very act threw her down at Jesus' feet and said, the law says, the law of Moses declares this woman is to be stoned. That's what the law says. They were right. The law does say that. Jesus says, you that are without sin cast the first stone. Here's the thing with this. Jesus was without sin. He had every right to pick up the rock and according to the law of Moses, end her life. 
but he didn't because he didn't come to fulfill the law of Moses only. He came to reveal his father's heart to humanity. And he said, it's not my Abba's heart to stone you. It's my Abba's heart to show you mercy. The father of the prodigal, which represents Abba, sees the prodigal coming. What does he do? He breaks Jewish custom and runs towards him. Why does he run? Because he understood that that son of his, if he was caught by the elders of the city coming back in, would have been stoned under the law. But the father shows, I will come and run at you and cover you with mercy and wrap you up in my arms and pick you up and show you all along who you've always been meant to be. I want to just lift our hands to the Lord this morning and say this with me. Father, remove any religion in my life. Give me the spirit of the Lord that is liberty and freedom. Father, send to this church the ones that no one wants. We will steward them properly. We will love them according to your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor. and he... Come on, come on, come on. Give it up for Jesus. Come on. Oh, great word. Mm. Oh. I don't usually tag things, but when you brought up that story about the woman... I had this vision of seeing Jesus bending down, and when he's writing in the sand, he's saying, I love you, because she's looking down at the sand. She can't look him in the eyes. And I think he's just saying, I love you. I love you. And all she could do is look down and see it in the sand, that he loves her. He loves her. He's just trying to tell her, look, you won't stare at me, and I can't tell you to your face. But, man, I can write it in the sand that you can see that I love you that much. Come on. He loves you this morning. And I think somebody in here needs to hear that. You need to receive that. doesn't matter what you've been through, what you're going through. Man, what a word today. He'll take everything. He'll take every mess. He can spin it and change it. Oh, man. He just loves you that much. And, you know, there's nothing I can pray for you to get you there. There's some people in here, you, you, you don't know him. You, you might have walked in. This is the first time you've heard anything like this. I can't pray that for you. There's something you have to do. You have to personally agree with that and allow him to come in your heart and surrender to him and say, you know what? I want to live for you. And I trust who you are and who you say you are. And I want you in my heart. You got to personally do that yourself. I can't do that for you. It's a decision you have to make to say, I want to follow you. And, and I believe that you love me the way you say you love me. And I love you back. Man. And you can do that this morning right where you're at. You know, I can't do that for you. But I do want to offer a prayer for you. I do want to say, you know, we, uh, we have a, a family here that absolutely loves you. And we want to pray with you. We want to walk you through those next steps and what that looks like and how to help you. Uh, we, mm, man, there's something. I, there, there's power in prayer, y'all. Can I just say that? There's power in prayer. Um, you know, we have, we have crosses at either side of our church. You know, we have what we call a prayer cross and a miracle cross. And I believe, I believe that, that when we have a prayer, we put it on this prayer cross. And everybody prays for that. And we, we pray for it on Mondays. We pray for it all throughout the week. 
And what we do is when that thing comes true, he gets put over here on a miracle cross. And it's that important that we celebrate the miracles. So I really want to do this because it's just because I heard this. Jeff, I know I'm going to call you out, brother. But come on up here for this moment because you really need to hear uh, what's happening. You know, I was reading Revelation this morning. Daniel, <laughs> reading Revelation, there's a verse that says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we feel testimonies are powerful. And he shared that with me. I'm like, I was hesitant, but I'm like, all right, look at me if it's, if it, apparently we need to say this. And especially because when I was over there, I felt something I needed to share with some of you. But let me say this real quick. A year and a half ago, my son David came to me suicidal. <laughs> I don't ask for prayer very much, but this was the one I needed to pray. I put that on that cross. He was suicidal and he was walking away from the Lord. And a phone call I had recently realized it's time to move it from that cross over here. And that's what I did this morning. I want to thank all of you who have been praying for him. I do. I want to thank the Lord. I want to thank you, God. I want to thank you. And I felt this as I was over here. And I think this is the reason I need to be up here. If some of you have some needs, these are serious. We pray over these needs. There's two things you need to do. You need to put that on that cross. And this is what I felt like the Lord said. Another reason I'm up here. When you put something on that cross, you we want you to then go to that cross and find other prayer needs and pray over those. Okay, hear me on this. I think this is very important. I know there's a lot up there. You can do a couple a week. If you don't get there from where you're sitting, you can look at that cross and you can pray over it. And you can even, sometimes we do this. We pick a topic. I'll tell you there are suicide topics on that cross. Pick that topic, look over at that, and start praying for that. I just feel like I needed to share that this morning. There you go. Come on. He's that good, y'all. He is that good. Man. You know, when Brandon built these crosses, I, I, my, my whole vision was that one day there was going to be like maybe one or two prayers over here, and the miracle cross was going to be so full. And I'm telling you right now, it's getting there. Like, I can barely see the cross, y'all. Come on. That's how good he is, but it's through faith, y'all. It's through faith. It's understanding that, that when you believe that he can do amazing things, man, he can do it. You just got to believe. Man, so we're going to have our prayer partners at either side. We're going to utilize these crosses this morning. We're going to have our prayer partners at either side. And man, don't, don't walk out of here today with what you walked in with. You need to leave it here. If there's anything on your heart, anything that, 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 that's bothering you, anything that you're struggling with, man, you will be loved in this house. You're in a safe place. You're in a safe place where we can pray over you. We can love on you. We, man, the, you don't have to worry about any of the other stuff other than the fact that we just want to love you through it. Will you let us love you through it this morning? That's all we care about. But we can't do that if you don't trust us. If you don't say you don't want to take a step of faith and I just want to walk out and get prayer and get help. Man, hmm. this is important because the testimonies you hear, even Chris's story, I mean, this is stuff that, that when I say we go outside these walls, that's how people listen to you. You know, you can relate to them and you can say, look, man, you got to trust me. I was right there. I was right there. We can't be ashamed of it. We got to, man, there's such joy in what the Lord's been doing in this house with people in here, even, even with ourselves and our own story and everything. Look, he wants to do something amazing. I'm looking around right now and I just see amazing things like from walking in and praying over people and then walking out and just, just testimony like that, that we have to continue to go share how good he is. Man, I'm telling you. 
I think our hardest part about religion was always the fact that everybody wanted to throw a Bible at me. <laughs> wanted to call us out because I didn't know the Bible and they didn't want the Bible. And that's what got us out of church for 10 years. Man, I'm sick of that. I don't understand. Like, I guess that's probably why it's so good that, that I don't care. And I just want to love people through it. We can just love them through it. Guess what? You, the Bible's good. You should read the Bible. But that shouldn't be your number one focus right now. I want you to just focus on accepting who you are as a son and a daughter and understand how loved you are. There'll be a passion one day. If you're not doing it already, there'll be a passion one day where you just want to read it because it's so good and he's speaking to you. Come on. But man, right now, I just want you to be free. I want you to walk out of here today free. So whatever that is. So Father, right now, we turn this over to you. Have your way in this house. Whatever you want to do right now. Father, I just ask you to touch every person in here. Anybody right now that is just, man, they're struggling with something, be it an identity issue, be it who you are, be it something you've been dealing with in your life. Give them boldness right now to walk out and go to these crosses. Give them boldness to walk to the prayer partners. Give them the boldness to say, you know, I'm ready to change. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I want to surrender it to him and just let him have his way in everything you do. And it'll be a process and you're going to jump into that process. And it's good. It is good because he loves you. He loves you. So Father, you see him, touch him right now. <laughs> Love on him right now. Mm, come on, holy. Have your way in this house. Have your way in this house. Father, you see those right now that want to know you. So, Father, I ask you to do the same with them. Speak to them right now. Saturate them right now with your love, Father. Give them boldness to go tell somebody, I made that decision today. I made that decision to believe and trust. Mm -hmm. And, man, we got baptisms coming up. So, Lord, speak to them. That that'll be their next step is to, to, to just, man, announce that to the, to the family, Lord. And, man, we just love you, Father. We love you. We love. We thank you for what you're doing. Mm. Mm. Come on, holy. Have your way. We just love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, guys. Don't leave here today without that. What an honor. Can we give it up once again for Nikki and Chris for coming down, spending time with us? And I'm all about the ribeyes, y'all. You just, you know, let's get the budget up. We got a hot dog budget, but we can do a ribeyes. But don't forget, guys, we love you. Be blessed this week. Man, allow God to do what he wants to do. Be a light in somebody's life. Come on, let's go change the world together. Change the city together. I love y'all. Be blessed. We'll see you next week.